Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fourth Down Focus brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of kickers, punters, snappers, and coaches. We're back and better than ever, football is here at all levels. All eyes are on the gridiron this fall and what a start it's been to football. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all NFL and college football action this fall. With a new website and even more odds, props, bets, contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Episode 54 of the podcast welcomes Dave Montiel. Montiel graduated from Cardinal Gibbons in 1989 and then committed to Cincinnati to play both baseball and football. After college, he signed a minor league contract with the Milwaukee Brewers and played winter baseball in Venezuela. After baseball, Montiel served as UCF's strength and conditioning grad assistant until he signed with the Augusta Stallions of the Arena Football League. After being released by the Stallions, he signed with the Hamburg Blue Devils in Europe for the 2000 season. Montiel went back to coaching after Europe and served as a football grad assistant for UCF from 2000 to 2003. And later that same year, he would accept a teaching and coaching position at his alma mater, Cardinal Gibbons, where he still is currently today. Coach, it is an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing? Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm honored and privileged, and I'm psyched to be here today. I can't wait to, to get on this, this meeting. Yeah, I met you years ago at a, at a football, like I guess a kickoff classic, if you will. It was a tournament. There was about 10 yep. teams in Atlanta, and I was just very impressed with the Cardinal Gibbons football program because we had to do some team activities where we had to engage with our opponents or people, yes. people that were there, and you guys were just a class act from the way you – you know, interacted in the lunchroom, which can, you know, can be a distraction, as we all know. And uh, just you cleaned up after yourselves. Uh, I actually caught your game that Friday night. You guys played Milton High School, and that was a dogfight. That was a heck of a game. So we thoroughly enjoyed, like, learning about you guys because we're Florida team, too, but we're in North Florida. So you might as well be two separate states, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and another thing about you, I'll just lead into the show, is you have a specialist that is a college specialist son, uh, and he's at FIU Dayton. Um, probably going to have Dayton on the show in the offseason when he's a little less distracted. But oh, Nice. But you, uh, yeah, I just want to, I kind of want to hear your perspective as a parent that went through the process of having a high school kid that had aspirations, and I want you to tell a little bit about your story today. So let's start 
with uh, your, I guess, in college. You played DB at Cincinnati, but you told me in pre-recording that special teams is what ultimately got you on the field. Yes. Can you, can, yeah, can you share the importance of teams? Absolutely. The added, va- the added value it brings uh, to both offensive and defensive players. And, and lastly, how your experience at Cincy shaped this belief. Well, let me start by first special teams for me was everybody always says the earliest way and the easiest way to get on the field is play special teams. I lived it. I lived it. I know it. My first year at Cincinnati was a prop 48, so I couldn't play anything. And let me tell you, that's the toughest year of anybody's life. If you're an athlete that really loves playing your sport. Um, So that summer coming into my, I guess would be my sophomore season. Um, they said, listen, you know, we got some great DBs. The way you're going to get on the field is special teams. I said, I'll do whatever I need, I need to do to play because I just love playing. I love everything about football and athletics. I love, I love the practice. I love the meetings. I love just being in the locker room, weight room, all that stuff. I love football. I love competing. So I said, I'll do whatever. Now, I was very fortunate now, not knowing then, that our strength and con- our head special teams coordinator was John Harbaugh. At the time, you know, I, you don't know. It's just John Harbaugh is a coach there. You know, fast forward 15, 20 years later, he's the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, you know. So, you know, he's the one that inspired in me, hey, man, you get on special teams, you know, you can – you can do some things. And I was very fortunate enough to have number one speed. And number two, I wasn't really scared of going down the field and getting whacked. Like I would get hit because I was one of those guys that I was a ball guy. So we used to run this, this scheme where one of our guys was always going to the ball, not being in, not being your five, but being from the outside. And I would go down there and go attack the ball or I was the gunner. So that those two aspects got me on on the field quicker as a player, not as much as a defensive back. I was a spot player on defense, but I was more of a a team player and special teams player throughout my career. I think that special teams epitomizes football because, you know, people that don't play the game or, or coach the game, as you know, sometimes look at football like, oh, there's too much planning, you know, like just you got to react in sport. But in my opinion, being a gunner, for example, you have you have about 60 to 80 uh, yards of ground to cover. And, and the guy that's head up on you is arguably the best player on the team. So if you don't have a plan pre-snap as to where you're starting and where you want to finish and how you want to redirect him in between, uh, you're, you're really going to be obsolete on special teams. Yes. So I I hate I hate when people say, well, start them there. Ah, we're going to get into this later, but. If you're not going to be impactful there, it's it's not like a fill-in position. No. It is a critical, it's a critical play. Fourth down is critical. And if you don't win fourth down in the box score, that usually is an indicator that you probably lost the game. Absolutely. Um, so I want to go into punt. You talked last week with me a little bit about punt, punt being arguably the most critical play in football. Can you elaborate on this a little bit? Yes. For me, teaching and coaching punt is for me the biggest and most important play in the game for aspects of number one, 
the yardage that is made up or lost on a punt is ridiculous. If you go back and go through all the games in all of football, you probably see the biggest change of possession on the punt. When you kick the ball and make and make a great tackle, you've just gained your team a, a flop of field, right? You, you, you switch the field numerous yards. So to me, that, that game, we practice that punt every day other than Monday. Cause we, we don't do much. We just walk through and stuff, but every day we hit punt for at least five minutes, because to me, that's the most important thing. If you don't block it, right. If you get rushed and you're not set for certain things, that's the difference of, okay. So you kick the ball 40 yards. Now you get it blocked. You just lost 40 plus maybe 10. Now you've lost 50 yards and think about 50 yards. Now that can come into a field goal. Maybe they score a touchdown. You know, it's just too much that can happen in the punt to me that it's too big of a change of possession drill for me. Yeah. I think you will probably agree that if, if you know, you're the inferior opponent, um, stay your plan. IMG and you are a third in your district in the West side of Florida. Um, I think that we need to start with, with, with what we can win and we can win that punt. If we can protect up front for 2.2, 2.3 seconds, and we can be a serviceable snapper and get it to our punter's hand and our punter, if, you know, if he's not taking three or four steps and taking forever with it, we can, we can arguably uh, it's our first down of defense, right? We can, Absolutely. we can start on a positive note. Um, fourth, fourth down is yeah. Uh, it's so special in so many ways, but if, if defenses just embrace the fact that how well we do here is the start of our next defensive stand, um, I think people would look at it differently and prep for it more. I agree. And and the last thing on that aspect that I want to talk about is getting on and off the field for us. So we rush the punt team on and we rush our offense off as best we can. We've had two or three different times where we had an open gunner where we try to fake throw it. But now with these new rules, the umpire sit right on the ball, which really, really gets me going because there's times where we were fourth and seven, fourth and five. And all I needed to do was snap and I mean, it's automatic for our guys. First thing to look at for our protectors to look at the gunners. If they're not protected, we're hitting them. You know, and when yeah. you're getting guys on and off the field and we set, and if that umpire would move, and then I understand they got to wait and blow, roll the bis- blow the whistle, but when they do that and that guy's open, we've hit them numerous times. But then there's been numerous times where they haven't let us snap the ball, and that's caused us. But if you can rush your team on and set them up and be set, that might take away from them rushing you also. So that's what we try to do. Especially in high school football, uh, because there's not much time spent in practice on these on these units. We don't transition well to these units. Correct. <laughs> you know, if I, if I if I haven't served as a personal protector in practice all week, how are you going to expect me not to just go get right. some water? I'm I'm dog tired. You yep. know, <laughs> I want to go. Water's a priority, but again, it's like if you don't plan for it, expect to get beat. Well, the next thing, too, is we tell our guys you're going to miss a defensive or offensive snap before you miss a special team snap. That's number one priority for us. We tell them. We tell them that. 
And if they don't want to play it, then, you know, you got to find a guy that doesn't, that wants to play it. But for us, if you're going to be on it, you're missing that snap before you miss a special team snap. Well, that's an excellent lead into my next question. Uh, that is coming out of the mouth of someone who has won multiple state championships in Florida and arguably one of the better teams in South Florida in the last decade. And that is saying something because South Florida, for those that aren't aware, that is that is the epitome. That's the apex, the pinnacle of high school football right now. That is where most major FBS teams come first, unless you're going for a quarterback in Northern California. You're coming for speed. You're coming for for, for power, strength. I mean, we, we have, I guess, D-tackle is a Louisiana position, but I would say as far as skill and dynamic athletes, it's South Florida. And um, you've, you've done a fantastic job. And as mentioned earlier, most listeners of the show are either high school specialists or parents of a high school specialist or college special teams coordinators. And I want them to hear your perspective on this next question. Um, kids have a lot of resources, okay? Uh, they've got Twitter. Uh, they've got their recruiting guru. They've got their, hopefully, their advocate on campus at high school, their high school coach. Um, what is your opinion of getting out as an athlete, getting in front of these people, um, and, and ultimately getting that scholarship, what gets it these days? Well, number one, produce, right? Amen. Do the job on the field. If you do the job on the field, kick a 52-yard field goal, punt, 50-yard punt or 48-yard punt with a four or five, some hang time, I mean, kick the ball into the end zone in a game setting, I mean, what else do you want? Nothing. You got to show it on film in a crucial situation, right? That's what they want. Number two, get out to the coach that's recruiting you. To me, that's what we did. Like, I'm not going to go to X school if they've not talked to me. That makes no sense. Unless that camp has multiple coaches there that have talked to me. Then, okay, because it might be, something that's closer to me than having to go to that school directly. So, or just getting out there and knowing that a guy is recruiting me, I got to find a way to get in front of him. Right. And if I go to these different camps that, you know, like I've gone to Vegas, I've gone to Orlando, whatever that that's gotta be stuff that has been out there because they've invited me because someone is there to see me not just to get a ranking that that was my my perspective with my son that that's another question we'll hit but I mean that's what I think get the stuff out put it on social media obviously now that there is social media you got to hit that get it out there as much as you can good and bad good and bad if you just kick three kicks 350 yard kicks well maybe it took eight kicks to get 50 to get the three you know, so that's also not so good. It's like a highlight film, right? Yeah. They want to see the game film. So, you know, as a, as a specialist, I understand you only have X amount of reps that you can do, you know, cause you might kick off twice. You might pump once you might, you know, have an extra point two times, you know, it just depends. It just, but I would get out there to the coaches that are talking to me and do something like that. 
I hope that answers. Of course. No, I, and I want to continue with this, but I want to respond in saying that the feedback I give, I think the biggest misconception with my athletes and specialists is what you just said. They, they'll go out and hit 20 60-yard field goals in hopes that one goes through so they can then post that. But we, we, we have to understand that these coaches have to feed their families. These college coaches, they make a lot of money, but they, it's year to year, most of these deals. And if you don't produce, I love the word you use as a coach and find the right specialist, you know, it could be the difference in your job next year. So my point is this, if, if you're going to go out, I think the unedited film is incredibly powerful. If you can just sit the camera down, hit record and hit three or four positive things in a row to show repeatability, to show that this wasn't edited or doctored to make me look good. That stands out because you don't see a lot of that because a lot of kids can't do that. That, that comes through work, right? That comes through training and development. Um, and I think that people want to see process oriented people, especially if they're going to be a part of my team. So my right. question for you, if you could expound upon that a little bit and saying that reflecting on what you do on a daily, on a daily basis at Cardinal Gibbons, what are you seeing that are some misconceptions and how these kids are selling themselves? Like, like what kind of feedback do you say? Hey, you know, I, I see what you, where you're going with that route, but you know, you are a personal brand and I think you should do more of this and less of that. Well, number one, some of the music, you know, those guys, the coaches don't care if you have music on or, or have music, but some of the language on the music, you know, they don't really want to hear all that if they have to hear it. That's my first pet peeve. Number two is put the plays that show your play first. For example, as a linebacker, let's say, show a sack. Show yourself sack, not coming off a block and batting the ball down. I mean, show some sacks, show some big hits, stuff like that. As a DB, show a pick. As a kicker, show the – if you're doing kickoffs, show your end zone kicks. Put them in the end zone. Then you can put on the underneath uh, directional. Put it to the right or to the left. Um, sky kicks, squid kicks, all that stuff. But I'm showing the big bombs as a punter, kickoff guy, field goal. Put the big ones in first. That's how I'm going to sell. That's what's going to catch the attention, right? Coaches watching six, seven guys, you have to stand out some way. I've heard before, like, my son used to tell me, oh, I wear, I wear a different shoe because they're going to understand, oh, that's the kid with the green shoe or, oh, that's the kid with the high socks or, or, oh, that's the kid with the bandana. So there's something that you need to show that's positive, that's out there, that it gets their attention. Now, will it be the kick? Will it be what you're wearing? I don't know. That's up to you. But number, if I'm recruiting you, I want to see the big kick. Right. I want to see numerous big kicks if I can. Sure. Um, I like to talk to people like you and I, I spend a lot of my time talking to college coaches as well that are involved in special teams. And one of the first things I ask them, especially if the, I know it's a school that's looking for a 22 or, or a 23 right now is my focus heavily. Um, I ask them, how, how long do you give a prospect? And what I mean by that is if you do, in fact, have this young man on your short list and you are going to spend a little bit of office time in your day to go through some huddle film of the guys that are prospects for you. How much time do you spend on each one? And I love the answer because it directly relates to what you said. He said, 
no longer than 20 seconds. If I'm not, if I, if something doesn't jump off the screen in the first two or three reps, I'm moving on and I'm probably never going to look at that kid again because it's what you just said. He said, the coach said last week, um, I don't want to name his name, but I really do because it was a good point. He said, I expect them to understand that my time is limited. And if they know that, if the realization is my time is limited, I don't have much of it, and I'm going to give you what I have, why wouldn't that be uh, implied that it's every second is critical, right? Every single second that you put on that huddle is critical. No one cares if you have a five-minute highlight. Instead, produce a two-and-a-half-minute highlight and let everything jump off the screen, right? 100%. No one's going to watch five, five minutes, right? I mean, if you're a five-star, no, like, you I, I, I might sit there and watch Deion Sanders' film for five minutes. I, I used to watch Devin Hester's, you know, but those are one in a million, right? You have 20 seconds. If you're listening to the show, think about that. What are you going to do in 20 right. seconds to have them watch the minute they need to see? Um, I want to continue with, again, you're a father of a college specialist. You mentioned you, yes. you took Dayton to some big-time camps. Uh, one, one is in Vegas. There's, there's one in Orlando. There, there's several. Um, there's quite a few people in my industry that are evaluative, right? They, they're, they're there for the purpose of giving a ranking and giving a star. And I think that there's a purpose for those events for people like Dayton, people that have the ability to play on Saturday, go and win that thing. Right. We talk about that a lot on this show, but I want you to share your experience, um, like what you've learned from being the father of a specialist. Uh, like, what do you credit uh, being the number one factor that Dayton carried out his dream of playing college football? All right. So let me start by Dayton is a different type of bird. Like he is just <laughs> he's out there. He's he's his own guy. He's going to compete. He will compete with whoever, whenever, even if he's not the best guy, he's going to try to compete and he'll tell you, man, I just wasn't, I'm not the guy, but he is going to first go out there and put himself out there. For example, Vegas, like he's not one of those kickers. He wasn't on that guys on those, on those ranking things. He's done all local stuff, but he got this opportunity to go to the Polynesian Bowl. Well, he needed to be one of the top six kickers in the country to do it. Well, he got to the final six. So there was two going to, to one game, two going to the Polynesian game, two going to another game. And, man, Dayton, Dayton said, man, I kicked my butt off. I said it was between me and this other guy and – he did. The out got the guy said he said he out kicked me on the last day. But throughout the week, I was the only non guy from that group that made it to the final. So he was happy about that. Next thing, we're local guys. We've gone to all these local different camps, and the kid would just do. He's more of a punter than anything else, and he would out punt a lot of people, and he was feeling good about himself. So then he started getting recruited. So then we go to Cincinnati, who I played for. I said, oh, man, this is going to be great. Now, they got a 26-year-old punter from Australia. I mean, and he's, he's like, man, this is fun, but these guys are kicking. He, the, he wins the competition at Cincinnati. I'm like, man, this is awesome. So then we go from there. We go to Western Kentucky. Listen, man, we need a punter. 
this it's you and this other kid okay no problem we drive up there we go he first kick 53 punt 53 like four seven hang time i was like if you had the film right here in front of me i'd say you can hear everybody go whoa so he kicks off he, he punts it whatever does a great job wins the competition but ha- we have to leave we have to leave because the airplane we have to go catch an airplane back in Cincinnati, which I didn't know the time change there. So we're like screwed up there. We end up going, hanging out. He wins that competition because one of the kickers call him up and say, Hey man, you won the punt thing. I was like, Oh man, you're on your, you're on your way. Last minute, nothing, all preferred walk-ons, which was great. We were happy about it. And then uh, Southern Miss comes in the picture. Like, listen, we need a punter or we just, our punter just left. We want a young guy. We go to, he goes to Southern Miss. Listen, he goes on his own. Guy picks him up, takes him in, kicks his butt off, bring a Juco kid in. Guys, two years older, stronger, obviously loses out on that opportunity. Marshall comes in the picture and says, you're coming to Marshall. We want you here. You're in. He ends up going to Marshall. Coach gets fired. Things don't work out there. Happens to come back. F enters the portal, which I am not for the portal, but I understand some kids need the portal. Like he needed the portal, and FIU picked him up. It was and it's been great for him there. Now at Marshall and at FIU, he's been very, very fortunate. He's been under two outstanding punters, learning things from them two different systems um the kid at at marshall rob great he used to roll out and do those type of kicks taught him a lot on that the guy at fiu is a monster boom kicker he kicked and he's got a different system style way, way he does it and it's great for him learning from those two guys has i think benefited him in the long run, which I think will give him an opportunity in the future. I love what you said. What what I'm thinking of right now is adaptability. I love the word. Um, just be adaptable. Go with the flow. You cannot control most things, especially especially football, right? And what you did was you took your son with an open mind. Yeah, it'd be awesome if Cincinnati worked out, but again, it's timing in football too, right? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Some of my dream schools in high school, I realized really quick, I didn't matter how good of a senior year I was having, you know, I was 90% through like eight weeks and I started, you know, sending my VHS tape out. Uh, and, and, you know, people got back to me because a couple of the coaches that were recruiting me were at previous schools, my junior year were like, yo, unfortunately, you know, we know who you are, but we just signed a kid last year. And we don't think about that as kids. Like when we're, when we're in high school, we don't, we don't really think about other things that are going on. We're, we're all, if, if we're doing a good job, we, we feel like we're entitled for, for what we deserve. But unfortunately, sometimes you're going to have to be adaptable. And you were. And I like the fact that you took him on campus to be seen by coaches. Oh, yeah. And again, those were coaches that were recruiting him. They wanted to see him. We didn't just go to some random school. I wasn't going to do that because I, w- I went through the process. Like, coaches recruited me. I was very fortunate enough to be recruited by some schools. 
So I was like, if they're not talking to you, we need to find guys that are talking to you that are interested in you. And we have, he happened to have four or five different guys that were very interested. And we went to those schools because they wanted them. Now, some of them didn't work out, which is fine, but that's the nature of the business, right? Yeah. You know, some guys, you know, get there and other guys get signed because they're in-state kids and some guys don't because they're preferred walk-ons or whatnot. And it just, it just happened. And, and he's happy now. I'm happy that he's happy. So we're good. Wife's happy. It's all still good. Yeah. So June is, is the month that you do these things. And that's where you probably took yeah. them to Western and June is a packed mm-hmm. month because coaches, colleges, I should say, are permitted to have student athletes on campus uh, in a football setting and evaluate them. So be fully prepared to, if you are listening to the show and you're getting considered by a school and um, they're really warm on you, be very prepared this summer to have to go and compete for that, for that PWO or that scholarship, because if you don't show up and you expect your star, your ranking, or, or just your high school film to get you where you want to be, you're solely mistaken. Because as mentioned earlier, if it's, if I have to feed my family on a decision, I want to be able to see you in person, shake your hand. Yes. I want to feel your handshake. I want to look how you look physically. I want to look how you look when you miss too, right? Because that's important. Yep. We're all going to miss in life. But I love the people that you really can't tell whether they made it or missed it because they're already thinking about what, Absolutely. what's next. What is next? Mm-hmm. That's a winning mindset. And you can't fake that, right? You can't edit that out in person. Um, so I think there's incredible value for these kids that are 23s, especially I'm talking to you right now to make it a point to set up with their parents, a tour this summer, go and be seen. These camps, thankfully are very cheap when you compare them to the kicking camp pricing, you know, you you can go to Florida state for under a hundred dollars. And if you have a good day, they're going to really, really be impressed with you and you're going to leave and they're going to be heavily recruiting you in your senior year. Yeah. So I think you did your son a great service because you gave him opportunities to compete, be evaluated. And I bet as that process went on, as he went to more and more schools, he was better at it. Right. Um, you're going to, Oh yeah. You're, you're going to expected something. He knew. Sure. Your first he knew what was coming. Your first interview. Uh, I'm sure yours. Mine was brutal. First time I took a formal interview, I butchered it. But I reflected on all the things I did wrong and I got a little bit better on the second interview. And then, you know, many interviews down later, I like to interview. In fact, I, I love interviewing people. That's why, we're, that's why we're doing this right now. If you would have told me at 15, you're going to love to interview people and be interviewed. I would have laughed in your face. I didn't, I didn't really like that interaction. Right. I got nervous. Um, but again, it's practice, right? Um, I have one more question for you, coach. Yes. Uh, for the high school coaches listening, which there are quite a few, you and I talked last week about getting your ones motivated to play on special teams. I'd like you to elaborate on this thought and why it's often the catalyst between ending the season as a district champion or ending it as you have several times as a state champion. Well, like I said earlier, we are going to miss a offensive defensive rep before we'll miss a special teams rep. Now, Do I want to use all my ones on my special teams? No, but they're usually your best guys, right? That's why they're your ones for the most part. So on our teams, a lot of our ones, especially on defense, 
are on our teams. Now, again, we tell our kids, listen, if you want to go to college and get on the field quick, most likely it's going to happen on special teams. So for me, if you play special teams, you got number one, you just giving yourself a little bit of a boost, right? So I've had guys that are great players that say, nah, I'm not doing that. And why would I put a guy out on the field that says, no, I'm not doing that where I can get a guy that's a little lesser of an athlete, but wants to do it. He's going to give me a better effort and get him out there and give him a rep and let him help my team win. Because in the long run, it's all about winning really. Right. We want to win. Sure. We want to win games. But for us, for me in the long run and the end of it all, is to get my kids shown, seen, and to the next level. I love winning every game. I want to win every game. I want to win the state championship every year, if I could. But my ultimate goal is to get our guys out of here to college. So how are they going to do that? Number one, give me great reps on teams. Because where else can you see a guy really running down the field at full speed? You know, you might catch a play here and there on a defensive play, but on that, it's a straight get after it. How are you going to open field tackle a lot of the times doing what you're supposed to do? So my goal is, yes, I don't want to get all my ones on teams, but they're usually my best guys. So I will put somebody else on a defensive play if I can win that aspect of the game, especially – I'll repeat this, especially on punt for me. And I made some coaches might be different, but for me, it's punt. We have a nice punter. We have a nice long snapper. I think we have the rest of the team is really good, gets down the field and make plays for us. So our ones are going to be on the teams, but if I got a guy that's not giving me effort, I will take him out as quick as I put him in just because I want that team or all our teams to be successful. I think the biggest difference between Saturdays and Fridays um, is on Saturdays, the college coaches, even if they don't have a love for it, or they're not really involved in at all for that matter, like a quarterback coach typically is not, there's still a message being sent to the entire team from the entire staff of we must win this third of the game. We must. Absolutely. And I think the biggest disconnect on Fridays with high school level is there are a lot of exceptionally gifted high school head coaches and coordinators. But I think as you, as you go down the line to the, to, the, to the linebacker position group player or a defensive line guy, oftentimes there's echoes of oh, special teams. Just go. Hurry up. Hurry up and get back. And if, if the coach is sending that message, what is the players? How, how are we supposed to shift the paradigm of the players? Correct. Uh, we, we, we can't we can't just turn on Friday and stress how important it is pregame. No. And then they get mad. If you, they get mad if you if you screw up on the special team, but they don't want to give you the time to do it. Or, or like you just said, oh, all right, just get down there and, and just get back as fast as fast as you can. And then they get mad. A coach might get mad because something happened on the special team. Why didn't he make the block? Why did he turn his hips? Well, because you're not giving us the time. And listen, 
I'm the first one to admit and to tell you. I understand it is a third of the game, but you're never going to get a third of the practice time, you know? Sure, so, sure, sure. So it's a quick practice, and I understand that. But when you're practicing that and your coaches aren't helping or buying in, it's an issue. We have a little bit of an issue with that sometimes because guys want to take other guys, other coaches want to take other guys somewhere else or do other things. And I get that, but understand you have myself and maybe one or two other coaches trying to work 40 kids, right? 11, 11 on each side, plus a couple backups on each side. Now, now you're, now you're trying to work 40 guys in and out or 20, whatever it is, because you want your twos to get a couple reps, maybe a three, get a rep, you know, and, and the, and the scout team never wants to do it. And they're the most important part because they got to give you the look. So, sure. you know, it's a tough deal, but we've been very fortunate that our head coach really stresses special teams. He loves us winning that battle. Although we're not getting all the time up for it in practice, he still gives us the time that is basically needed so we can be successful. Coaches are human beings, right? And and we all have our own personal passions and 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 what we think is most important priorities, you know. But I think it's a disservice to show an attitude or express discontent with time spent, even if it's 10 minutes of practice. I've seen people get upset because we had to spend 10 minutes on a Thursday walkthrough. 10 minutes. Um, and those are the people that are influencing the kids to say, well, coach so-and-so coach so-and-so just said it. So why would you expect me to think differently? Um, And that's dangerous because I love what you said. Very seldom can you see a kid run a flying 40 or play in space and make an impactful play, you know, on kickoff or, or punt. These are, these are where you get to showcase who and what you are full speed a to B violent for six, seven seconds. And that, and that's, that's how you get sold. So I really hope someone, just one person hears this and says, you know what, I'm going to get more dynamic kids on teams. We're going to do it a little bit more in practice. That way, hopefully it can, we, it can make a difference on Friday. We're not playing not to get beat there. We're playing to win it, you know? So I, I just want to thank you so much uh, for, for coming on, Dave. And if you could maybe share one way that the audience could reach you if they wanted to get a hold of you or ask you something else. Absolutely. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter. At the number five, man free, M A N F R E E. Or my email is Montiel, M O N T I E L, at C G H S F L.org. Those are the two best ways to reach me. Yeah, Twitter seems to be the go, right? That's a, yeah. that's, <laughs> it's Twitter, AKA football communication. Yeah. <laughs> but very uh, quick no. and easy. It means, again, it means a lot to me, man, and, and and especially everyone here at Fourth Down Focus that you were able to share so much information that will benefit all of us. Uh, I'd like everyone to give the show a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, please, and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast or suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have a question for me, you can reach me several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com, and my Instagram and Twitter is at fourth down you lastly i'm on facebook and linkedin you can find me there by simply searching dan space lundy l-u-n-d-y 
Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Shut up and sit down. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.